Chapter 5 Noble dreams of some noble dreams With his fingers and toes and everything in between With his friends and his foes and come see what that means Dream of some noble dreams there in podcast land this is travis coming to you from the great old state of new jersey i'm currently walking my dog right now and uh, i'm listening to noble dreams on my spotify app uh, on my phone uh, i wanted to take a minute to just honor this man for following his dreams and starting this podcast um it's been such a, a great thing to listen to um it's also very inviting as somebody who is new to the podcast world. I haven't really given too many podcasts my ear, and it, uh, I'm glad I've given Noble Dreams my ear. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, you know, it's very real. It's very inviting. Uh, it, it, they they just have so much fun with it. it it's it's such a, a cool thing to to listen to and hopefully be a part of one day. Um, and I hope everybody out there gives it a chance as well. Um, and please, uh, when you're done listening to it, just share it, like it, rate it on Apple Podcasts because, you know, he could use the support and the recognition. Um, and I hope to see he comes out with more episodes, you know. Uh, I hope he doesn't give up on it uh, because it's been such a great experience. And uh, you're missing out if you don't listen to it yourselves. Okay, well, I just did an awesome thing, which is uh, recording the intro without the microphone on. And turns out, if you don't turn it on, it doesn't really record all that much. Anyways, I wanted to say a huge thank you to Travis. Um, he reached out to me with uh, encouraging feedback for the podcast, and then I asked him if he would be willing to uh, make a voice recording in the same vein. And he actually uh, took care of some of the housekeeping promotional stuff that we have to, you know, that we were going to visit from time to time basically asking you to write reviews and um you know rate the show on apple Podcasts. it's really helpful because then when other people um check out the show and they see it has um, good reviews it makes them more apt to listen to it so anyways i i thank you so much travis and i'm really i'm really glad that you're getting something from from listening to the show and that you reached out it means a lot speaking of which we got the first official email in the noble dreams uh, email from an old high school friend of mine named chris and uh, chris wrote to me i i'm not even sure how he found the show whether it was um through social media or someone told him or I, i'm not sure well, here's the email i got his permission to read this Hey Noah, it has been a long time. I had to reach out after hearing your podcast. I listened to a lot of them as I have been on an epic road trip since January. And I have to say yours has been very, very refreshing and fun. I really enjoyed episode three. Lots of good things to think about. Keep up the creativity in this wonderful art. Thank you for putting it out there, Chris. Um, well, thank you, Chris, so, so much. And um, I sent him a little invitation to maybe send us a story from his journeys. And uh, he's in something called, that he's calling an ambulamper, which is a uh, ambulance camper. So I guess that must be a retrofitted 
ambulance or something, which sounds really awesome. So hopefully we'll have a story from him soon. Um, and the just sort of uh, show promotional bit I just wanted to talk about briefly is um, because of the nature of this show, like it's technically under a few categories on Apple Podcasts. And because of the nature of it, it doesn't really fit super well into any particular box. So it's going to be hard for people to you know, happen upon it just by searching for something. And so word of mouth is really the best way to get this out there. And I'd be very, very grateful f- to you um, for sharing it with anyone that you think would get something from it. Uh, I've been doing so. I have a certain amount of reach through social media. Um, and I do posts on the Instagram which is at Noah Day's Noble Nights, and um, and that's great. And I also just go and tell people that I think might be interested in hearing it, and so I'm hoping that you will do the same. It's really, really helpful, and it means a lot to me. And um, so this week, my invitation, a little challenge for you if you're up for it, is to share this with uh, two people. The first person I would invite you to share it with is someone who you have a special relationship uh, surrounding music with. So, like, if you hear a song that really grabs you or speaks to you, um, who's the person that you immediately want to share it with? Like, hey, man, check this out. Check out this song. I'm really pumped about it, blah, blah, blah. And, and who you might spend a long time talking about, you know, the new album that you're listening to or what music is getting you. So that's number one. Number two is maybe someone who has been really supportive and helpful through a tricky or tough time in your life. And whoever comes to mind when I say that, you know, if this show is something that you think might speak to them in some way or another, I'd, you know, share it along. I'd be so, so grateful. Um, The more people that listen to it, the more people will reach back and the more that we have to share from a wider variety of humans out there. And, and as a reminder, please send in your um, mission reports from Mission 1, um, from Bree Bree's Missions. Uh, we have the second one in the wings. It's ready to go, and we're just waiting until we get enough responses from the first one so that we have stuff to share. Um, and otherwise, I hope you're wonderful. My uh, video recommendation this week is the Tiny Desk Concert by No Name. Um, no Name is a rapper, and she is someone that people have told me for many years to listen to, and I have uh, sort of bookmarked that. And haven't? Done it until just the other day, and I watched her Tiny Desk concert, and it blew me away, and uh, just incredibly skilled, very unique um, music and she has maybe the most beautiful and charming smile I've ever seen in my life um, so if anyone knows no name maybe get us in touch and we'll get her on the show <laughs> it's like the huge pipe dream but man oh man am I glad I finally finally checked in with that it was so amazing so that's the Tiny Desk concert I'll put a link to it on the show notes Okay, so this week uh, we have a sort of a short episode. Um, I had a lot of things happen in the last few days that uh, took away from the time that I had slotted for recording. Uh, were kind of logistical things that I had to take care of, and that's fine. Um, and so I, what I had planned for this episode is something I'm going to do in another one. And instead I'm uh, pushing forward another project, which was... Uh, so basically a writing piece so another thing that I do is writing and I went out for an overnight and then and then wrote up about that experience and am reading it back 
and put it together sort of like a radio um, story. So I, I did recordings of sounds while I was out on this trip and um, incorporate them into the story because that's something I've never done before and I thought it'd be fun to try. And uh, so I hope you enjoy it and then there will be a song at the end. Um, the song is a cover of Long As I Can See the Light by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, there's a great version of it I mean, the original is amazing. There's a great version on uh, John Fogarty's album from a few years ago, uh, which I'm blanking on the name of at the moment. I can link to it. And he basically just played a bunch of um, old Credence songs with uh, with contemporary artists, and it could have been super crappy, but in my judgment, it was pretty excellent. And um, he plays as long as I can see the light with my morning jacket. And if you don't know that band... They're pretty awesome, and their singer, Jim James, has a really wonderful voice and really suited to that jam. So that's a recording that I did of that song some years ago, and I thought it fit in pretty decently with going out away from the house and into the woods. Um, so that's that. I'm going to just play the story and then, play, and then play you the song and no more talking, and... Uh, Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm really grateful to be here and part of this uh, part of this thing. Got some great stuff coming up. We have a famous record producer. Uh, we have uh, some poetry from someone that I won't reveal yet, and uh, these are just some you know light teases. Um, some trip reports from some of my most dearest friends and all kinds of wonderful things. So stay tuned. Keep checking in. Please keep reading, sending stuff back. Anything you send, you know, send a voice memo, send a story you've written, send a poem, send a song. You know, this is an open space, so uh, as long as it seems to fit in with our little mission statement, it's a good chance we'll plop it in here. Uh, so would love to have you. Oh, and uh, one other thing, there's a song called Two Little Feet by Greg Brown, which I didn't uh, learn to play this week, but I did think it was sort of uh, relevant to the story, and I'm going to link uh, to the YouTube video for it. I just wanted to read the first little uh, verse here. Two little feet to get me across the mountain, two little feet to carry me away into the woods, two little feet, big mountain, and a cloud coming down, cloud coming down, cloud coming down. It's a beautiful song. I hope you'll check that out as well. Bye. With a belly full of tortilla, eggs, cherries, and a single rolling rock beer, I venture out and up the hill. It's 8 o'clock and the sun is very low, already tucked back behind the surrounding hills. It's summer and the days are still long. A departure at this time gives an hour of fading daylight. The air is still war and warm. I'm carrying a backpack a vintage green canvas number with missing buckles and the previous owner's name and address scrawled on the front pocket in permanent marker. The hip strap is tied against my naked belly. Inside is my hammock, the bug net that sets up around it, a sleeping bag, lighter, headlamp, water bottle, an extra length of parachute cord, and a mouth guard and earplugs that I usually employ at bedtime. My attire consists of a baseball hat, canvas shorts, and leather work boots, all in moderate stages of decay. I have a long-sleeved button-up shirt along for the ride. 
In my mind, the destination is the open swampy area I discovered this winter. It held and continues to hold considerable intrigue for me, and the allure of exploration in a whole new season is significant. As I move through the woods and out onto an old logging road, various grasses and wildflowers brush against my legs. I wonder if I've picked up any ticks who may have been waiting on the ends of leaves and stalks of grass. Questing, they call it. We didn't have ticks here when I was a kid. Now these insidious stowaways are rampant. One will suddenly crawl out of your shorts as you drive. Later, you'll absentmindedly brush your hand across your chest, only to feel the tiny flap of a deer tick, its head already embedded in your skin. We used to just fear the dreaded Lyme disease, but now these little darlings can share with us the anaplasmosis bacterium, or the most recent addition to the roster, the Poisson virus, for which no treatment exists. If it doesn't kill you by means of encephalitis or meningitis, then you still have a 50% shot of permanent neurological damage. The bite of the Lone Star Tick, whose range is ever-increasing, can render one allergic to red meat. All in all, these little shits may be the end of us. We shall see. Further up the hill now, and the road opens up into a log landing. The trees were taken from here many years ago, and yet none seem anxious to fill the gap, save for a few pines on the eastern front. Perhaps the soil isn't so great. Regardless, what has taken root is a veritable army of black-eyed Susans, their faces all trained towards the setting sun in phototropic devotion, forming a transient layer of gold a few feet above the ground. The effect is intoxicating, entrancing, psychedelic, a thing of utter and transcendent beauty. I follow another road out of this gilded meadow and gaze at the stand of maples. They are about all about the same age, and their crowns form a canopy so thick that very little light filters down onto the forest floor. Because of this and probably other factors I am not versed in or seeing in this moment, there is no undergrowth here at all, just a littering of past years' dead leaves and a scattering of fallen twigs and branches. I've been drawn to this stand before. There is something inviting about the uniformity, the spaciousness. I start down the route that, as far as I can remember, leads near the swamp and pause. A few things occur to me in this moment. First, the surrounding forest has darkened significantly in the last few minutes. Second, I remember that the swamp itself was mostly devoid of trees, and the woods leading to it were thick and brushy. None of this sounds like a fun hammock camping potential, and so I turn on my heel and head right back into the stand of maples. Finding suitable trees to tie up between takes no time. I can invite all of my hammock-wielding friends and their tenting pals, and there would still be room to spare. I loop a climbing strap around one tree and tie the other end down with paracord, winding it several times around the trunk and tying it up with a knot that would leave a knot person all tied up in, well, knots if they saw it. The bug net slips over and around the hammock and clips to another line suspended above, surrounding the entire affair like a black cheesecloth chrysalis. Once my sleeping bag and tiny pillow are tucked in, I use the last remaining light to search around for some decent firewood. Dead, dry, down, and detached. Those were the four Ds, the mantra we, we would give the kids on wilderness trips. It's been a couple of years since I've led one, and the wor words still cycle through my head from time to time, like so many other little phrases from the outdoor education industry. Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without, I'll think to myself as I pull on a threadbare, hole-ridden pair of jeans. Build a shared vision is one I'm still working on. I snap some of the tinier sticks and pile them onto a bed of leaves. I don't have any paper with me, and the leaves, which usually don't burn so much as smolder, are a bit damp as it is. 
Nothing takes. For a moment, I stare down at the barely smoking arrangement below me. How the heck have I started fires all these years? I get up and look again for sticks that I can break open and split lengthwise to expose the dry tinder within. These will light directly from a lighter when they're this thin. As I'm doing so, I see a curled up piece of birch bark, and what you, have may, what you may have already have been yelling over the last ten seconds blasts back into my consciousness. I have birch bark in my car. I have high-quality pieces of it tucked into the pockets of coats and backpacks for this very reason. That my mind blanked on this is something I will ponder for some time, I reckon. With the bark, the fire lights easily and crackles to life. As I snap twigs and add them to the gradually expanding flames, I watch the leaves on the periphery of the blaze singe and smolder, leaving behind an ashy fire break to halt the spread of my new little friend into the rest of the forest. There's nothing quite like making a fire for and with oneself out in the woods. The feeling is one I cannot share without you being here, but then, if you were here, then it wouldn't work either, because then I'd be here and you'd be here too. You'll have to make your own little fire one day, out in the wilds with the trees and the worms, and an owl on a far-off branch twisting its head in curiosity as it peers at your little creation. I unzip the entrance to the chrysalis and climb in. It's early for me to go to sleep, and I'm in no rush to. I sit cross-legged in the hammock, my knees tucked into one side, the other gent gently holding the top of my head. It is a perfectly comfortable temperature, and sitting so casually with immunity to mosquitoes brings a sense of invincibility, like donning a suit that allows one to swim leisurely in lava. For a few minutes, I toy with the idea of attempting to sleep sitting up like this, but fear of waking up with an aching back sends me down to cozy into the sleeping bag horizontally. I leave it unzipped, warm enough with it holding me from below and around my shoulders. And now we lie and think and listen. There's no rush. The next thing I feel is a raindrop gently splashing upon my cheek, waking me from wherever I was a second before. My first thought is, huh. My second thought, upon remembering that I did not pack a tarp, is, okay. My third thought is of my phone, which is off and which I brought along just in case I get lost and can use the map saved on it to find my way back. I think of this because it is really the only thing along for the ride that can be rendered useless by the rain. I reach down and grab my shirt, wrap the phone up in it, and tuck the resulting bundle down between my legs. The rainfall is tepid. What little makes it through the thick canopy of leaves above is again hindered somewhat by the bug net and again by the fabric of the hammock the extra inches of which I have pulled up and around my body, thankful again that I chose the model made for two. I do a little bit of late-stage contingency, contingency planning in my head. I figure that if need be, I can pack up quickly and run back to the house, which is maybe a half mile away. I unzip the net again and lean over, reaching under me and into the deep pocket of the backpack to pull out my headlamp, which now feels lighter than usual. I had two of them in my car, and I realized with a sigh that I grabbed the one with no batteries. It is much too dark to navigate the way back, and the rain has gained momentum. I tuck back into my cocoon, holding it closed with one hand while I weigh some options. I sat along, continuing to huddle down and pray for the rain to subside. I remember years ago when I was leading what proved to be a very rainy trip in Alaska. 
and our mantra to remember the moves that we came up with for our sun-beckoning dance was, I surrender, I'm pooping. I don't expect the sun to come out in the middle of the night, but as I whisper these words to myself, I figure it can't hurt. This waiting and praying continues. This may be a long night. I have made mistakes when packing for trips that I've led. We took the wrong tent poles or a tarp or, or coat that didn't turn out to be waterproof. The difference was that I really tried hard to make sure that something like that didn't happen. I think of carpenters with rotting houses, plumbers with leaky pipes, and therapists who come home and treat their families and themselves like shit. When I was younger, I always figured I'd do whatever I did for work just as well at home. I certainly try in many areas, but I only recently began taking any kind of traditional first aid equipment on solo trips, and I, for instance, took the weather forecast for granted and didn't pack a tarp even though the meteorologists seemed to get it wrong more often than not. I would never th do that with others in my care. As the net saturates, new drops of rain push the ones soaked in down onto the hammock, and so on until the outside of my sleeping bag begins to soak up the excess. I like to think the heat coming from my body is evaporating this collecting water at something approaching a comparable rate. I doubt it. I hear the shifts in the precipitation and poke my, my ear out to try and discern if it is still falling from the sky or is simply tree rain. After a couple of cycles, it seems to have become the latter, and given that I am still mostly dry in the center of my little cocoon, I take a deep breath of gratitude and eventually drift back to sleep. The morning is clear, the birds having sung to the rising sun for a couple of hours before I wake up again. I figured it would be a very early morning, but the sun is higher than very early, and I'm glad my body was able to catch up on the sleep lost during the rainy times. I pull on my boots and drink what is left of my water bottle. I, while I crouch to make my morning deposit, a weasel cruises along by on a fallen log, a dark and portly critter, a mole perhaps, clutched in its, in its jaws. Good morning, weasel. Remembering as best I can the route I took to the swamp in the winter, I follow a series of logging roads, walking along with fresh deer prints and moose tracks from some time before the rain. Downhill, closer to the swamp, I can see it just now. The woods become much denser. Before long, any step taken between mossy humps of earth bring a surge of wetness into my boots, through the holes in the leather, and soon enough they are soaked throughout. As I push through the final wall of brush, and into the vast open swamp, sunlight kisses my face and a chorus of birdsong greets my ears. On either side, far from where I stand now, imposing walls of forest form the other two sides of a roughly isosceles triangle, the long point of which lies at the spot furthest away from here. The swamp, perhaps more technically partially a bog or even a fen, is comprised of a mosaic of grass and thick uniform bushes eight or ten feet high. There are, there are sporadic, scraggly spruces, some with comic tufts of needles atop long stretches of bare trunks. The impression is that despite the open space, this isn't perhaps the easiest place to thrive if you are of the spruce persuasion. In the wintertime, I cut through the bushes and all the way across and over this area, happily skiing along on a thick crust of snow and ice. Now I have the urge to repeat the feat, this time with a lot more leaves to contend with. I venture straight into the bushes, so thick that the action required to pass through them is something closer to swimming than a simple romp. 
The branches and sharp tall grasses alike etch a crosshatch of superficial scratches on my thighs. After forcing my way through this thicket, I bend down to peer at what I thought was the main stream running through the swamp, but it's simply an offshoot, a steady trickle. I'm breathing with some effort now and sweating. I realize in that moment that I want to experience the swamp, see, hear, and feel what it has to offer instead of trying to conquer it. I retrace my steps until I'm back in the grass and crouch down to study the ground beneath my feet, what lies beyond the grassy veil. Here, tiny sundew plants poke out from the carpet of moss, their little hairs tipped with droplets of sticky fluid, lying in wait for unsuspecting insects to ensnare and digest. Pearls of dew still cling to the creases of bla on blades of grass. Iris leaves shoot skyward, sword-like, only a few of them boasting blossoms atop, atop flagpole stalks. Tall flowers whose name I neither know nor wish to add splashes of yellow to the sea of green. Wild strawberries and raspberries alike hang from tiny versions of the plants that we are used to, both ripe for the picking. It's hard to imagine something hitting the spot more in this moment, I think, as I pop one of each into my mouth in succession. All around me, winged friends flit about, and I'm treated to a symphony of birdsong and surround sound, some taking on complicated melodies while others hold down to beat with staccato bursts of rhythm. I'm not so far from spaces I'm much more familiar with, but I have the sense of being a world away. I notice that there are game trails intersecting the grassland and laugh at myself for thinking I could forge a better path than the ones who reside here. I make my way along one, a joy that's usually hidden somewhere inside me bursting out as I walk along, my feet squelching, the clouds floating by silently, the sounds and sunshine feeding me with every step. Soon enough, the trail leads right to the stream I fought so hard to find earlier, and I marvel at the crystal clear water, squatting at the shore and drinking several rounds of it from cupped palms. I suddenly become hyper-aware of how much the ambient sound is drowned out by the babbling of this brook and strain to maintain connection with the rural surroundings. If my ears could swivel like a deer's, they would be in this moment. Although there are not many animals in this environment that pose an obvious threat, I feel vulnerable, and my head shoots up, eyes scanning the horizon like every animal at every watering hole since the beginning of time. Amazing what the ancestral body remembers in a moment like this. For reasons unknown to me, I think of a man I met recently, recently, whom we gave the name Dragonfly, after an intensive week-long men's gathering. Mere moments later, I'm greeted by his namesake, with black-banded wings like I've never seen, and I say hello and goodbye as he rests for a minute before flying off. I decide now that it's time to leave this momentary paradise. I say my thank yous and head back along the grassy path, make my way through the thick peripheral forest, and up the old logging roads until I think I may be a bit lost, at which point I spot a, my chrysalis once again, thinking for a split second that it might be a bear. I spent a fair amount of time in the out-of-doors and have countless experiences therein, or thereout. What amazes and humbles me is that every single time I go into the woods, I see something I've never conceived of or knew could exist. As I make my way back through the black-eyed Susan land, I find the day's most potent example, some sort of bee creature sporting a plump orange rump with clumps of black bristles. It's like nothing I've ever known. Perhaps it is the only one in the world 
we may never know. Part of me can't wait to rush back to all of the things that can't possibly edify my heart and soul the way the swamp just has. Part of me wants to turn around and go back. A few more parts chime in with ideas of their own, and a final one just leans back and laughs with the crows. At the edge of the last stretch of forest, where it transitions back into meadow, I kneel down and kiss the earth and thank whomever can hear it for all the gifts I've been given on this journey. It was at this same threshold where I asked for support and whatever there might be to learn on my way in, just over a half of a day before. Pleases and thank yous. Please and thank you. I feel I've got to move 
I'm uh-huh.